to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. And today it's my pleasure to be with commercial real estate broker and the one of the founders of Hayes Commercial Real Estate Group, Francois Dijon, uh, knower of all things, uh, expert in all commercial real estate trends and a real local icon in this community. And it's a pleasure to have you on the show. And I'm so grateful. How, how, how are you doing today, Francois? Well, thanks, Josh. Uh, I appreciate the nice intro and I'm doing great. Yeah, doing good. Look forward to your questions and sharing any insight I can on what's going on in the commercial real estate market in the Santa Barbara area. Uh, look forward to the questions. Thank you. I appreciate it. You are an expert. So let's dive right in. I want to talk to you about a whole bunch of topics today, kind of go over the South Coast and all the commercial real estate areas from Coast Village to Camino Real. We'll get there. But first, I kind of want to start off with something that you are a real expert in, you've been dealing with lately, coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic. I want to talk to you about what's happening with commercial real estate office space in terms of some of these big companies, these tech companies, and the return to work and who's coming back to work, who's not, how is remote work affecting that industry? And what do you do if you're leasing these large commercial spaces or is there subleasing going on? Can can you talk a little bit about that world and what we're seeing right now? Sure. Yeah. So um, obviously um, COVID uh, was, was kind of a black swan event and created a, a situation where everyone had to start working from home for a period of time. And uh, you know, what, what, what in the last pretty much the last two or three years we've seen, um, many people work from home that were not that were not used to working home forgot got used to it you know and uh, with you using all the tools like Citrix and Zoom and Teams and all the other remote working you know technology because they had to um, and you know what, what's what's interesting to me is you know this work from home kind of dynamic was already was already going on before COVID hit you know um, interestingly you know go to my PC. Uh, which was later bought by Citrix, was actually developed in, in Goleta, believe it or not. And uh, that was, you know, one of the enabling tools to allow us to all to work from home. And I, I, I myself been working from home for many, many years, beyond, even well before COVID, uh, just because I felt I found it to be um, better for my work style and I enjoyed it. But I think what COVID did is it kind of threw propane on the on this work from home, you know, flexible work schedule where people had to adapt, uh, especially the high tech companies. High tech companies, um, you know, have gone to a very flexible work schedule uh, and have continued to support that flexible work schedule for their employees. Um, and whereas I would say there's other type of office uses like mine, I mean, you know, professional services and medical type offices, I think are generally back uh, working in the office. I, I would say of the uh, 18 people we have at our office, I'd say 16 are there pretty much full time, you know, and if you go to many of the, you know, work, you know, many of the medical type uses, you know, obviously they're all back um, at the office, but where, where the, where the interesting thing has been, has been the high tech space and the high tech companies like Appfolio and Yardi and uh, Procore and LinkedIn, just to name a few, um, those companies are really struggling to get people back to work because I think a lot of their employees really enjoyed working flexibly, flexible schedules, working from home. A lot of them moved out of the area, um, did different things. And so I, I think 
I think the remote, the work from home dynamic is here to stay with the high tech companies. Um, what I'm hearing is, is that a lot of the high tech companies locally are starting to encourage their employees to be there two or three days a week um, so they can collaborate and see each other and, and meet, but they're not requiring it yet. And they're also not foreseeing any full swing back to a five-day work week mm -hmm. at a lot of these software type-based com companies, um, which is obviously going to be an interesting dynamic because if you know people aren't using their office space, what does that mean for the office market? Mm -hmm. um, I can tell you that just last year alone, there was about 200,000 square feet of space that was put on the market for sublease by these high-tech companies. And to put that in perspective, we had about uh, 750,000 square feet of office space available at the beginning of 2022. And we ended the year with about 1.1 million square feet of office space on the market. So the vacancy rate went from about seven and a half to 11% on the South Coast, largely due to two things, the high-tech office space being put on the market for sublease. And then also the, the, the addition of the Nordstrom's building um, the developer that bought that property has also decided to convert that to office, mm -hmm. and which may sound kind of contrarian, and it is. Uh, but uh, I think there's there's a there's a there's a reason for that. We can talk about that a bit later. But um, generally speaking, the downtown office market actually held up pretty well last year because it's mostly dominated by professional services. Um, the vacancy rate, if you actually pulled out the Nordstrom's building. Uh, actually went down slightly. There was actually pretty good leasing in office downtown, um, but there was a very it was very slow. And I would say the large segment of the office market, which is predominantly in Carpengalita, like anything that was like ten thousand square feet or bigger, was very slow last year, and it continues to be slow this year. And and uh, I'm you know that 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 segment of the market is going to have some some challenges. I would say this year and twenty twenty four. So a couple of things. Uh, let me talk to you about this tech, you know, sort of these these larger software tech companies and this trend of workers really enjoying being able to work from home and not doing the five day a week. Do you have thoughts on that? Just from a business culture? Is that, is that a good thing? Does that work? Yeah. You know, look, at, I mean, um, I think we all used to go to office buildings because it was it was agreed upon, and I think still uh, supported that people need to meet each other and collaborate and see each other in person. I don't think that's gone away. Okay. But I do think is with, with the amount of tech skill, tech software and, and, and technology that we have out there these days, um, Zoom, like we're doing right now, I'm down in Orange County and you're up in Santa Barbara and we're doing this podcast together. You know, I think it's very possible for people to stay in touch and communicate. Um and I think on top of that, you have a lot of these tech um, young, younger, I would say younger kind of 20 somethings, 30 somethings that um, kind of came up in this, you know, way to work and are really pushing to stay that way. And, you know, they may have young families that they want to be around. They may have long commutes um, that they don't want to deal with. And as long as they're productive and I think they can be measured and they're good employees, my guess is this trend's here to stay. I, I I, and I and I do think it's going to affect the way we use office. I wouldn't be surprised if um, we need less office space out there and we need different office space with like, you know, hoteling areas and collaboration areas and the way we design office is going to change for the high tech area. 
Now, I think the professional service area and manufacturing and R&D, where you actually have to go in and build something at the at the location, like all of our defense contractors out in Goleta, I don't, I don't see that changing that much. I, I do think maybe some of those companies will be slightly more flexible, but where I'm really seeing the flexibility and the change is these high-tech companies like Appfolio and Procore and all the software-based type type groups. So let me ask you specifically about that. I know when I'm downtown and I'm walking and I pass the Amazon building, which I did recently, I wonder, it's like, you know, Willy Wonka's house, like who goes in, who goes out? I never see anything happening there. And it's this mysterious place. And so I want to ask you, Amazon, as well as these other companies that you've mentioned that have these large spaces and then workers aren't there, are they just empty buildings? Is that what you're saying is that there's subleasing efforts going on here and it's just not happening? So let me give you some specific examples. So um, Appfolio out in Goleta had three buildings, a total of about 160,000 square feet. One building was 80,000 feet, one was 40, and one was 40. And they decided to put the 240s on the market for sublease because they just felt like they were never going to come back and use those buildings mm-hmm. fully. So they're now using their 80,000-foot building. And if you go out to their parking lot, you'll see cars out there. But they're still only probably in that 30 to 40% occupancy range of people coming. And and mostly it's predominantly Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday where, um, where the employers like Appfolio and other high-tech companies are being more flexible on Mondays and Fridays. Yeah. You know, And so that's one example. Then you have another example like LinkedIn, who actually owns their buildings down in Carpinteria. And, you know, they're probably only 20, 30 percent, you know, occupied, but they own the buildings, you know. And so I guess they they could put the buildings on, you know, a building or something on the market for a lease, but they haven't. You know, they've decided to keep all their space. And I think they're anticipating that people are going to start coming back more and more this year and next. Um, I think you've probably seen the news where some of even the bigger, bigger high tech companies like Apple um, have started mandating people to come back, you know, three days a week, you know, in Disney. And you, you're starting to see yeah. a trend there where I think uh, our local high tech companies, which are obviously not as big, I think they will, they're paying attention to that and they'll start, I think you'll start seeing a more, a, a real push later this year and next year to get more people back. Uh, I just don't think it's ever going to be the same. Uh, and, 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 and then the question is what, what is what are the long-term repercussions of that? Um, you know, to make this even a more difficult situation, you have Appfolio doesn't need all their buildings. You know, they have leases that go out nine years, you know, so really the, you know, they're, he's got these buildings on the market for sublease, but the owner is really not being affected by this. It's really being, it's really Appfolio at this point. Right. And so there hasn't really been a, I would say a devastating effect on the office market because of all the sublease space yet, because a lot of these leases go out for quite a while. I mean, even the Procore sublease space that's uh, down in Carpinteria goes out about four years, um, you know, and so it's it's kind of an interesting dynamic. You would think that the market would start having a pretty serious impact, but it really hasn't been one yet, um, mostly because the owners aren't really feeling the pinch yet because of the long leases they have in place with these high-tech companies. What kind of a business is a target for, say, Appfolio's two 40,000 square foot places that they're trying to sublease what kind of a business would find that attractive in this environment yeah so um great question so ironically there is a business that's uh, actively negotiating on one of the two buildings 
that's another high tech company out in um, out in Delita. Mm-hmm. I, I can't I can't name, but uh, there there is some activity on one of the buildings, and then the other building is actually in shell condition. And you know, the, you could have a company come along where they want to do more of uh, I would say not just office and creative office, but lab, you know, and R and D. There's a huge demand in Delita for R and D space. I mean, that's really where the the sweet spot is with all those defense contractors and our some medical products groups. You'd be surprised at how many companies out there are using lab lab space and creating products and stuff like that. So that that's really where the demand is going to come from. Mm-hmm. Now, you're going to have some other buildings out in Goleta that I would call non-Class A office buildings. Um, the Appfolio buildings are Class A, but there are some B and C quality office buildings that are going to struggle with vacancy. And I would not be surprised at all if you start seeing talk about converting some of those buildings to more apartments and residential conversions. Mm-hmm. which makes a lot of sense given what's going on out there with the state housing mandate and uh, the need for affordable housing. And, you know, frankly, we're going to have uh, an office market that has more space than we probably need long-term mm-hmm. if these work from home dynamics continue. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> better than ag land, right. For housing, I, I, but we won't do a pol- political yeah. discussion here, but I mean, generally speaking, you know, <laughs> if we have the land there, and yeah. uh, unused commercial space is a good area for it. Yeah, I think the, you know, it, it's not going to solve the issue. I mean, as you know, we've got the, the the state, and this is another big topic I wanted to talk to you about today, but the state's basically mandating that we figure out how to put 15,000 units from Carp to Goleta, you know, yeah. and you know, we've got about 2,000 in Goleta, 4,000 in the county, I think 8,000 in the city of Santa Barbara, and I can't remember what Carp is, but um, you know, those those units are going to go somewhere. And, you know, there should be some repurposing of existing properties and buildings that aren't being used. All right. But that's not going to get that's not going to get the all the cities and municipalities to where the state wants us. And there's going to have to be some thought into putting them on 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 sites like there that may be ag or 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 old commercial sites. Um, it's very difficult to put residential a lot of time on industrial sites. You know, the industrial market is very tight. Uh, it's very desirable. That's the one one uh, I would say um, shining sector in, in commercial real estate right now is basically multifamily and industrial. And so, you know, rezoning industrial sites to residential is difficult. You know, we need we need our industrial. We need our manufacturing. You know, if you start putting all of it on that kind of on a land, you're going to have another problem to deal with. So, you know, it doesn't surprise me that some of the counties and the cities are looking at you know some ag land and ag, ag spaces for for this for the, uh, the housing element. Right. All right. So, uh, let's go downtown. Let's go to, um, state street, Paseo Nuevo. Let's shift gears a little bit to what's happening in terms of commercial real estate. I've reported a lot on Paseo Nuevo and how obviously there's all this effort to repurpose it, to figure out a way to make it more vibrant. There are those who say it should be just raised at least the old you know the ortega building over there and just start over and there are others who say that oh well it can be something that's more experiential but the city needs to extend its lease because nobody's going to invest that kind of money unless they have another like long-term lease not something that's going to expire in 42 years or whatever it is and so there's all that discussion going on and then you've got nordstrom's and I guess it's going to be commercial office space. So can you talk to me a little bit about the future of Paseo Nuevo and where are we at right now? And what does this mean for the Nordstrom building and the old Macy's building? And you know, What's the future look like? 
Yeah, well, um, I wish I could be more positive on, you know, State Street, but I've been I've been pretty negative negative on it for quite a while. I mean, uh, unfortunately, we continue to see retailers throw up their hands and and and, and move. Uh, there's I can think of three uh, that have announced that they're moving from downtown Santa Barbara on State Street to uh, Montecito just this year. The first two months of this year, Restoration Hardware, Rooms and Gardens, which are both you know, two of our best, you know, I would say home design furniture type, you know, stores that have been on State Street for decades. They're leaving. They're going to Montecito. Um, and then there's an art gallery that I, I can't name that it's also planning on moving over to Santa Barbara. And there's other people over to Coast Village Road. And there's there's other groups. We get continually get calls over at Montecito. I handle a lot of properties on Coast Village Road and the demand for space over there uh, has been incredible. I mean, like, and the rents have gone up a lot. I mean, like uh, I recently signed uh, a lease with a um, clothing retailer uh, in a building that I sold that's going to be the highest rent ever paid on Coastal Road because that's where a lot of the traffic and a lot of the money has been over there. And it feels better than State Street. You know, I mean, look at look what's happened in State Street in the last five years. You know, you've got Macy's is left. Nordstrom's is left. You know, who would have thought Starbucks couldn't make it? Starbucks left at the corner of you know, De La Guerra and, you know, State Street. I think when, when I saw Starbucks leave, I was like, oh, boy, what are we running into here? You know, I mean, that's Starbucks can't make money. Uh, I'm not sure who could, you know. And so um, it's 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 tricky. You know, I mean, uh, I I I I know in my heart that Paseo Nuevo needs a blend of housing and office to get people back into that area it's dead you know the anthropology building right now is also being looked at as you know a conversion to a hotel the nordstrom's building is looking at a conversion to office uh probably on the second and third floor for sure first floor could be quasi retail macy's is a big is is they're 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 thinking of doing uh, office in that building but you know that that property is also you know was recently taken back by the bank and, you know, there's there's a lot of questions and ideas and different things being, you know, poked around. And, and I would say the biggest limiting factor to Santa Huevo getting back on its feet is the fact that this, you know, it's all on a ground lease and the city controls that. There's only about 42 years left on the Nordstrom's and mall leases. Um, they can, I think, because they're a charter city, they can only extend the lease to 50 years. That's right. And, That's right. You know, and, I, and I've been told that, you know, because of that, that's probably the biggest limiting factor to get residential in, on that property because it's going to take a lot more time than that to get a developer to invest that kind of money to either convert or tear down Macy's or Nordstrom's and 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 rebuild it as residential than a 42-year lease. And I think that's a big, big limiting factor, and I'm not sure how to get around that. Yeah. Um, I do think the city is well aware that we need housing there and we need people down there because, you know, Macy's and Nordstrom suck the life out of that whole seven and 800 block and it's affecting the other blocks around it as well. Um, you know, I remember a time, you know, I've been downtown for, I've been doing this for 32 years. I've been, I've been I was downtown in the nineties and the early two thousands where state street was quite vibrant after, after the Pasana Nueva was built, you know, it was the place to go. We used to go and eat lunch there and dinner there and all that. And, you know, over the years, it's just kind of, you know, it's 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 uh, it's got worse. It's not got better. And I'm I'm really hoping that we can see a big change down there because, you know, we're going to continue to see, I think, retailers leave the area and 
and uh, locals not visit it. Um, we really need the locals to be back down there. We need people living down there. I mean, that's that's what's going to bring it back to life, Josh. Yeah. You know, the best part of Pasan Nuevo is sort of like between Thanksgiving and Christmas and the new year because they, they do all their holiday stuff. And that's really fun. If you are down there during that month, it's a lot of people there, you know, every night for the activities that they put on. But a lot of the other times, it just feels very different, particularly if, if you've been here longer than a minute. You know, if you've been here and grew up here or been here for a long time, like you remember the mall when it was more vibrant um you said something and i just wanted to clarify you said that uh the macy's building was taken back by the bank is that separate than the actual nuevo or what do you mean the same owner owned the macy's uh, site as the mall okay there's basically three main areas there it's the mall and then the two big department store uh, parcels but the same owner uh alliance bernstein the bank took back the the Macy's and the the mall and so they're the they're the controlling interest there and they're they're trying to figure out what to do with it you know and uh, you know as you probably know they just spent um with Pacific Retail um was the previous owner manager they just spent 20 million dollars updating the mall it looks beautiful yeah but there's nobody going there yeah. you know and so obviously we need to get figure out a way to get people there you know and that's the best way to do that is you know I mean if you did convert the Nordstrom's building to office you'd have God knows, five, six hundred people probably working in that building. And then if you put residential in the Macy's building or elsewhere on that site, you get a bunch of other people, you know, there at night and during the day. And I think that would really bolster the area. Um, you know, the other the other big topic is what do you do with the State Street? You know, do you keep it closed? Do you not keep it closed? I mean, um, you know, my personal preference would be you, you keep, you know, you keep a portion of it closed. I think it's actually could be an incredible pedestrian experience if it's done right, but it can't look like the kind of the the, the patchwork of um, you know outdoor seating areas that we have right now. It just doesn't look right. It looks like a street that was closed and the job what the job wasn't finished, right? Yeah. You know, so if we're if we're going to keep a portion of it closed, however many blocks that is, um, I think the city really needs to put some effort into re, re remodeling it and and redoing it and making it a true pedestrian area. You know, right now it just looks like it's kind of a you know, it just it looks like an unfinished project, you know, so. Yeah, it's sort of like whatever vision the business owner has for their outdoor dining is what we see. And we know that people are creative in different ways. If you're out there in front of the chase, I mean, he's got an enormous sort of long, you know, it looks good. It looks nice. It's uh, pretty big, you know, but then you look at some others and it's very inconsistent, you know, and that's, I think yeah. people want to sort of know where they're going, that it's going to be a consistent experience for sure. Um, I want to ask you about State Street because, you know, you mentioned restoration hardware moving to Coast Village Road, that Forever 21 building has been vacant forever other than a Halloween store uh, in there. Um Paseo Nuevo is private property, so you don't have the homeless issue at all there, yet you still have problems with retail being vibrant and active there. We know on State Street, we hear often from property owners, from business owners, that the city's lack or inability or whatever the city they think is or is not doing to reduce the amount of homelessness on State Street is a problem. How much do you think State Street's problem is homelessness? Because if you look at Paseo Nuevo, 
you know, you can't be homeless just sleeping there because it's private property and they could move you, but yet they still have some similar retail issues. But can you talk about homelessness and how that interfaces with all these challenges? Sure. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think, frankly, <laughs> homelessness is probably the biggest issue for state streets retail. You, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't want to mince any words there. I mean, I, I think we all know that um, a lot of these people that are there are, 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 are have mental issues and are sick and need our help. And we need to find out a compassionate way to, you know, get them off the street and help them, you know, because I can tell you right now, I've shown buildings on state street and I've had to step over people to get into the front entrance of a door or they've gone to the bathroom in public areas and it doesn't smell right. And there are companies that I can think of one right now that left State Street is going to Montecito because they were worried about their employees leaving after five o'clock in the 900 block. Mm-hmm. You know, so we can, you know, we can dance around this issue all we want, but the homelessness issue is a, is a big, big issue on State Street. You know, it, it is a deterrent. It's a it's a reason why I don't really go down there very often, to be candid. I mean, I, I'd rather, you know, our office buildings at the corner of Garden and and Carrillo, and we usually stop at Anacapa and go to a restaurant there. We don't even go over to State Street because I don't really want to deal with half the time what's going on there you know it's just kind of a mixed bag i mean i've personally never been assaulted you know or ever felt like super unsafe but it it sure doesn't feel the way it used to you know and it's not as welcoming and i think part of that you know is the big suck that we felt of when macy's and nordstrom's leaving there's just not that much activity there and there's 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 it's just it's a it's a and i'm not sure if macy's and nordstrom's left because of this you know, they obviously left because they weren't doing good business and they decided these stores weren't performing. But I also think it's all tied to one another. I mean, you know, again, State Street used to be quite vibrant, you know, and we would get retailers from L.A. and all kinds of other cities wanting to come here. And we really don't get those calls anymore, Josh. I mean, like it's it's mostly most of the leases that we saw last year were local restaurant, you know, bar, restaurant, local retailers. We're not really seeing any of those national retailers investing here. Um, because they're, they're they can see for themselves. You walk up and down State Street, it doesn't feel that it doesn't feel good, you know. I mean, so yeah, I think it's a big problem. Um, you know, uh, we have one of the most beautiful cities in the world. We have some of the most charming extra, ex- architecture in the world, and here we are, you know, in an area where we've had, you know, I think the vacancy between four hundred and thirteen hundred block right now is like fourteen percent. The the street frontage vacancy. I mean, like every every block's got several vacant spots. And it doesn't look good. You know, I mean, you just go up to San Luis Obispo and walk around Higuera. It feels totally different, you know, and that's an hour and a half from here. Um, And I don't know if that's because, you know, State Street's a lot longer than Higuera or what. But I can tell you right now, it felt it just felt a lot better. And it felt like State Street used to feel where, you know, you walked around, felt good, wanted to go shopping, wanted to go eating. I don't have that feeling anymore. Yeah, uh, d- definitely. When you're walking, you just see that, like these storefronts. Uh, you know, you can't go too far, two or three businesses before you see another vacant storefront. And they do become some of them. The way their design is, a lot of the unhoused individuals, homeless individuals, will it's like a place for them to rest, you know, and sleep, you know. And so um, it becomes sort of an area. What's up with the 400 block? Let me ask you this: How does that uh, adult bookstore? It's been there forever. Stay open. Okay. You talk about not being comfortable walking on State Street. Yeah. Whenever I park, like, you know, by um, 
Santa Barbara Roasting Company, that city lot, and have to walk up to the 400 block. That corner, like, I, I'm uncomfortable around that corner because yeah. you have the cigar yeah. shop, you got the adult bookstore, there's a couple other, you know, and it's it's a it has a vibe, that area. In this yeah. age of the internet and retail, how does that place stay open? Do you know anything about that place? Uh, you know, I really don't, but I can tell you that that, that property was owned by kind of the um, infamous or famous Italian family for many, many years. Uh, it, actually, that property sold. Um, and, you know, part of it, I think just last year, the year before, it sold. And I think part of the building's been boarded up for, I don't know, like a decade, you know, and they just didn't. It's that old Esau's building, right? right. Like, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, the, the 400 block is pretty depressing, uh, <laughs> you know, candidly. I mean, like, you know, what Peter Lewis is doing behind Staples, I think, Cross will street. really help. I think that's a very good example of what I was talking about earlier, where we got to bring housing and people back to State Street um, and in the immediate area. I think that will really help. Um, I know that uh, Peter Lewis also owns uh, the building where Invoca is in, used to be Sonos at 419 State Street. You know, we have that building for sublease right now. Um, Invoca has decided they're actually on the the far end of the spectrum of this work from home. They've decided they're going to stay completely remote. Mm -hmm. They don't need their building anymore. And so I've got that building on the market for sublease. Uh, interestingly, we have a local company that's been been showing some interest in it. So, I'm, uh, but I would say for the last year and a half, it's been crickets. And then all of a sudden, just in the last couple of months, we've had one tenant that looks like they're a good candidate for it. Um, I think that will also bring some life back into the block. I mean, there used to be 200 people working in that building, and now there's like five. Oh yeah, okay. You know? And so that that didn't help either. Um, but you're right; that doesn't feel very good walking by the adult bookstore um that's probably one of the wor- worst corners um you know and that block is just seems to be really dead and then you go into the 500 block and it's you know bustling you mm-hmm. know with all the bars and restaurants and that's probably the the best block from a from an outdoor standpoint where i feel like that actually feels like what it sh- stage tree probably should feel yeah like you got you know it's very full a lot of trees in that block too and it just feels right in the size of the streets and uh, all the all the, um, the the chairs and seats seating out in front feels pretty good. Doesn't feel like that at the the 400 block. Doesn't feel like that in the 600 block. I mean, it, it's very spotty actually. Yeah, um, I do like that axe throwing place. I think that is on the 400 <laughs> block. Um, that, that I did that I, once when I wrote a story, yeah. and that seems fun. I don't. Yeah. Know. I, I think we're going to see. I mean, keep in mind the 400 block is the closest block to the funk sound, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it, it's it's. I think it would be a much better block if we see more housing built like Peter's doing right now and we get one of these big buildings reoccupied with some tenants some and some people that go actually and eat during the day and all that. I also think that, uh, you know, improving the underpass, which has been talked about for forever, making it more inviting for people to leave the funk zone and come onto State Street, I think that would really help to improve that block. Um, but, uh, you know, state streets, long, 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 long area. I mean, we've got a 13 block retail corridor, you know, and, um, that's pretty unusual for a lot of towns. Um, and so it's not surprising that we have some blocks that are doing better than others, but I, I do think that we're seeing, I think we're going in the right direction on the 400 block personally with what Peter's doing. So. Yeah. And I wanted to sort of talk a little bit about what you referenced before with coast village road, we're seeing, some State Street businesses move over to Coast Village Road. I did read in your annual report about how Coast Village Road is actually like really vibrant 
right now with um, retail and you know a variety of other tenants. What is the deal on Coast Village Road? I mean, it's 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 not Montecito. I think like maybe half of it's Montecito, half of it's Santa Barbara. Uh, why is this space so popular right now? Well, the lower village is actually all Santa Barbara. City of yeah. Santa Barbara is part of the city. The upper village is, is you know, the county of Santa Barbara. So, um, and two of those tenants I told you earlier actually moved to upper village because there wasn't any room for them to go under the lower village. Lower oh, village yeah. is definitely preferred by retailers. There's more activity there. There's more traffic. Certainly um, more traffic between about three and six every day. For sure. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I think I think it's this. Um, I think, you know, we've seen the demise of, I would say, of Middle State Street, the 7, 8, 900 block with Nordstrom's and Macy's leaving. I think, you know, the homelessness has definitely not helped. Um, and I think we're just there's a general negativity around the downtown area that something needs to be done and fixed. And, and then the backdrop, you've got the funk zone exploded. Um, it's doing very well still. I think a lot of people go down there and then. I think the public market slash theater district area also feels pretty good. You go to the public market, it's jam-packed with people. Um, and then you have Coast Village Road, where, you know, again, it's 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 perceived to be safer. There's less homelessness. Um, and there's been a lot of money that's also moved into this town through COVID. We saw a lot of people move into uh, Montecito from the Bay Area and L.A. and I think the demographics are actually supporting, you know, Coast Village Road and Montecito as well. Um, so, you know, I mean, like if, if if a retailer wanted to be in this area, they're probably going to focus on, you know, again, you know, probably the, the Montecito area. They're going to focus on uh, the Funk Zone and they're going to focus on maybe that theater district area. Those are the three areas that I think are perceived to feel better and safer and, you know, um, that's where people are gravitating, you know, and I, we even had something interesting happen recently where uh, there's a property called La Sauve, uh, which is down by the Bird Refuge, uh, was purchased by an out-of-town um, investor. And then they also bought uh, the neighboring property um, uh, where Selamari was, and wow. they're, they're planning on converting that to like a little retail area, mm -hmm. you know, right there, you know, and again, I think it'll do well because people are trying to they don't want to be in the downtown core anymore because it just doesn't seem like it's going to get fixed. Yeah. That's you know, it's going to take a lot of cooperation, Josh, from the city, um, you know, to, to get that, that downtown Nordstrom's Macy's area fixed. That is the center of town. Yeah. And if, if the, if all the parties come together and that you, you see, you know, a real redevelopment of that project with residential and some office um, and you ski, that's going to shoot a huge, bunch of life back into that center of center of town that's the void right now so i'm just going to throw it out there um we've heard multiple consultant reports over the years it's been five or six years now say city's part of the problem in terms of its review process its permitting process it slows down businesses things take too long um think uh permits are not processed in a in a timely fashion is that still a real thing um that, that is that still happening now and is that still part of the reason why we're not seeing more vibrancy uh, and then let me just add one thing before you answer that when i talked to jason harris economic development manager for the city about so nuevo he said one thing to me that was clear <laughs> um, in my interview he said 
The city of Santa Barbara is in the passenger seat when it comes to Paseo Nuevo. And so I'm wondering, does the city need to take the take the wheel here? And 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 how much of the problem is the city, whether it's lack of leadership or whatever the reason is, how much of it is the city? Yeah, I, I'm not sure if I like the analogy of a passenger seat. I'd rather say that, you know, usually have co-pilots uh, on a plane. I mean, I, I think nothing's going to happen there without the city being um, actively involved on the Santa Nueva with the owner of the Nordstrom's property and the Macy's slash mall property. I mean, they, they're all they're all tied to one another. The, the city owns the, the, the dirt beneath the, those properties and uh, also controls what can be done there. So I, I don't think the passenger seat's a good analogy. Um, and, you know, I haven't heard that the city, I think the city is trying to do better with housing. They understand we need housing downtown. They recently approved a project above the Sur La Table, which I was quite surprised about that uh, indicated to me that they're serious about seeing more housing down there, which was terrific. Uh, but, you know, and, and, and a lot of those people are, are very, very good people. I mean, they, you know, I, I work with a lot of, the, I, w- I mostly work with the city of Goleta officials, not as much with the city of Santa Barbara, but yeah. they're all good people. They're, they're hamstrung with all the regulations and rules and all that. And somehow we need to get those more streamlined and, and, uh, you know, efficient. I mean, that, that, I think that's the bigger issue. I think we also have a changing in the guard. We have you know, Rebecca and Eli have now come in uh, at the city of Santa Barbara. And I, again, I think my perception is, and just meeting them briefly once recently that they're really behind seeing housing down and, and downtown Santa Barbara, and they want to see them all, um, you know, re-envisioned, you know, and I, I think that's, that's a good thing, you know, and I, I, I'll be, I'll be very, very surprised if we don't see something interesting happen at the San Nuevo that includes a lot of housing and some office. And I'll be very surprised if we don't see the Lacumbra Mall completely blown up at some point <laughs> and in a, in a new mixed use, you know, kind of uh, community there. And uh, I mean, those those are just obvious things that need to be done. It's just a matter of how can we get there and how long it's going to take, yeah. you know, and we're going to need the city to help us. I mean, the city, you know, I don't, they're not the passenger. I think they're, they're the co-pilot. Right. <laughs> well, good transition. I want to ask you about Lacumbra Plaza. I'm not going to relive the whole uh, thing here, but um, do, do you have any thoughts on the Taylor project that, that I think it's something like 1500 units. The city wants a specific plan. There's a third property owner that's going to come in with their own housing project from this Arizona real estate developer. City's like, hey, let's all work together to do this right. And the tailors are like, SB 330, right now, let's get it done. We're not going to wait for your specific plan. You guys have been trying this for years, and it hasn't happened. So they want to go. Uh, then there's the actual mall in the middle, right? Not the old Sears and not the old Macy's building or the current Macy's building. So they have their own little stake here. If you were, Francois, able to just poof, make it all happen the way it should, what would you do? Well, I already said, I mean, I, I think it's a no-brainer to do a mixed-use project on that whole site. The mall has been dead for years. Um, nobody goes and nobody goes past Lur. You go to Lur, you go to Starbucks, and then or maybe William Sonoma, and then you go back into the mall, and it's completely dead. I go to the ghost store every Christmas season, and I go to <laughs> Islands. <but that's> it. <laughs> All right. Well, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a dead mall. It's a... Um, and it needs to be transitioned and it's obviously centrally located to everything and we we need housing and it, it is a great site for what the tailors are planning on doing now 
how many units um i i don't i don't know how many units uh it the project or the, the should support i honestly don't know i mean i think you know we're obviously going to want to see three or four story buildings there um and get good density but it's also going to make sense in terms of parking and traffic and all that but it's it's to me it's a no-brainer to knock down the macy's and the mall and the steers building and do a a new mixed use project that would be not only you know good for the area in terms of housing it also be a, it just be good amenity for the whole city it's we 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 have this just a greatly underutilized site um I'm, I'm frankly i'm even more passionate about lacumbra being blown up than 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 the Sayona Nuevo being re-envisioned. I, I think the Lacumbra Mall is just, it's just a waste right now. I, it's, 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 it's criminal that all that space is vacant and not being used with all that parking and, and where it could be just a great housing site. Um, and then just to clarify one thing you said earlier, it's really not three owners. It's really two owners. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the oh, there's Taylors, a lease. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Taylors, um, you know, basically purchased the Macy's building and about half the mall. Yeah. And then the other half the mall plus the Sears building is owned by another uh, old Santa Barbara family. Uh, and they've, uh, you, you've, you mentioned that they've been in talks with a, a developer out of Arizona to do housing and, you know, whatever over there. And I, I think that's great. I really think that's what it should be. And I'm sure many people are going to find problems with that in terms of traffic and whatnot. But um, I, I think that's what it has to be. And it's in a, it's another, another, another site that is needs to be repurposed and reimagined. It's something that was built many, many decades ago. That's no longer working. So. Hey, Francois, can it be reimagined independently or do you think uh, what city of Santa Barbara has been saying? And you mentioned how much you value Eli and Rebecca just a few yeah. minutes ago. Um, is it better to do it holistically as a specific plan or allow these developers to sort of do it at their own pace? Um. I don't have a strong position on that, Josh. I, I, I you think just want to see it fixed. Okay. I, I want to, I want to see it happen. You <laughs> yeah. know, and I think anything that makes it happen uh, quicker uh, would be better. You know, so if I guess the answer is if a specific plan would make it happen quicker, I would say yes. But I don't think that's the case. I think a specific plan will just slow things down and 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 not and not produce housing and a re-envisioned site as, as quick as we we would like to see it. I think. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if that Taylor project won't create such a huge sort of backlash once they actually talk about it publicly that it slows it down or if they just move ahead and, you know, we, we see a new, we'll any, see. Yeah, any big project's going to get a lot of attention and controversy. I, I just, I find it hard to believe anyone wouldn't think that that would be a, a, a good way to redevelop that site, you know, a, a, a a mixed use, you know, housing community that also has some affordable housing and moderate housing and whatever else. But I just, that's just a great site for that. And, you know, I mean, it's also not a coincidence that every single one of our department stores is basically shuttered. So it's just probably a matter of time before Macy's, Macy's does that as well. I mean, think about it. We had I Magnin like 20 years ago shut and now it's the bankruptcy court. We had, uh, we had um, uh, Amazon take over the Saks Fifth Avenue property now we have macy's and nordstrom's vacant i mean so like that's like the last those are the last two department stores and you know they're they're next on the chopping block they're going to get either torn down or, or or redone yeah there's nothing like going up and down that escalator during christmas time though so i will miss that but let me ask you this speaking of success let's go to the camino real marketplace okay yeah uh that place is the core of galita when it comes to 
shopping and retail and experience and you've got the movie theater there and you've got all these little places to eat and then there's the uh, home depot and there's stores there and the costco's nearby and it's like this really vibrant area and i swear it's like disneyland parking lot sometimes when you're there it's just no place to park you got the tesla charging stations it's a very vibrant what are they doing right that other places are not well, I mean, that's that's really a big box uh, service retail center. I mean, where you have a Home Depot and Costco um, that everyone, you know, and now a Target across the way that everyone in the whole town uses. It's not just people in Goleta. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I remember when that project was first getting proposed and everyone was complaining about that as well. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, and I, I'll, I'll bet a lot of money that almost everyone in the whole town from Carp to Goleta goes there you know, for their, for their goods at Home Depot and Costco. But, you know, that's, that's, that's more of like a, you know, power center with, you know, um, uh, I would say daily needs, uh, retail, um, you know, Goleta has actually done way better than Santa Barbara has through this whole pandemic and retail. I mean, all the retail properties in Goleta are pretty much full. Um, and they've got, you know, they've got good parking, you know, street parking in front of them and they're, you know, big box type tenants that serve a lot of needs for the community. Whereas like the downtown, a lot of those were like soft good retailers. Uh, a lot of that stuff I think is transitioned online. I think the days of shopping on second and third floors have, are, are no longer, you know, so all those buildings you're talking about are all single story buildings, Josh, where you can walk in and they're, they're kind of like almost warehouse type yeah. structures and, you know, people go and buy their goods. So it's just a different product. Um, you know, you can't really do that in downtown Santa Barbara. I mean, I guess you might be able to do it at La Cumbra, but I don't think that's the highest and best use for it. Um, so oh, yeah, man. You, go the, you go to the Kyrie Al Center, you know, in Goleta too. And it's, it's, you know, I mean, there's some vacancies there, but not very many. And there's just tons of people going and shopping there for their daily needs, you know, and yeah. you know, a lot of these grocery, grocery anchored, you know, retail centers have done very well. You know, you go to Five Points. Look at Five Points right across the street from Lacombra. I mean, talk about not being able to park. Yeah, you can't find a parking spot. Right? I mean, like, and it's the same type of retail. It's that kind of daily needs retail. Whereas the soft goods, you know, clothing department stores are are dinosaurs. They're done. They're the way of the dodo. Yeah, and even mention Old Town Goleta. Old Town Goleta is super vibrant too. You know, it's a it serves the needs of the the locals, but you know, um, the neighborhoods there. But all of Goleta in its own way is really vibrant. Yeah, no, no, Goleta's actually done much better overall than downtown Santa Barbara um, through this whole pandemic and still continues to do better. Um, you know, and there's been, you know, there's reasons for that. I mean, obviously it's it's less expensive and it's 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 got UCSB and it's got the airport and you know, it's there's there's some there's some there's some things that I think are just, you know, people like to be in Goleta versus downtown Santa Barbara. Again, it's more maybe it's more suburban you know so i don't know um but uh it's 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 definitely i mean when i do all my big shopping i go out to best buy or home depot or costco and i live in santa barbara you know i mean that's where i go shopping you know so and you're certainly not going to that little target in santa barbara you're coming to the real target (laughs) i have gone to that one actually my daughter likes to go to that one but uh that one has an escalator that old uh speaking of uh odd commercial developments from back in the day that old z gallery sort of place you know Um, i've been along i've been along uh, around long enough to remember when the um the galleria opened yeah before and it was that was like 
a super hot spot. You know, it had like polo in it and all kinds of high end retailers. And it just ended up not working, you know, and then the the mall kind of followed suit and try to put, you know, the the Louis Vuittons and the high, you know, the the the, the high end retailers at Lacumber and that didn't work either. You know, and so um, I think we know on Upper State Street that we should probably stay away from high end retail, but probably focus on more daily needs and restaurants and, and housing. I mean, that's that's really what it's needed up there. Great. Hey, uh, Francois, this has been a really good conversation about so much of what's happening in commercial real estate. But uh, before we wrap up, I want to ask you a little bit about you. I was looking at your bio and uh, you were a UCSB grad and you are um, a former college soccer player and i'm just wondering if you could just talk a little bit about your story and how you came to santa barbara and you know your athletic days just a little bit about how you got into this business too yeah well um thanks josh um yeah i i, I came to ucsb in 1989 to come play soccer and i was about 70 pounds lighter um back in the day and uh I came here because i thought it was the greatest place on the planet when i first visited and had a couple of friends that played on the soccer team here and um, and then uh, met my wife at UCSB and had two kids here, never left. And uh, we've been really, really fortunate living in Santa Barbara for the past uh, 32, 33 years. Um, so, you know, seen the town change, but, you know, I say overall, it really, I, I think it's, it's, it's still the same great place that I came to when I, when I got here in 1989, I, you know, I really wish the downtown area was, you know, felt better and looked better and all that. That's probably the one thing that has changed negatively. But overall, I've been just very happy being here. I've, you know, I, I, I founded this company 27 years ago with Steve Hayes um, or 20, 20, let's see, 1997 at 26 years ago. Uh, Steve Hayes and I have been partners ever since. Uh, we've grown from two people to about 18 people um and uh, just love what i do on a daily basis um I'm planning on i keep planning on keep doing it uh you know i i actually met uh, the reason why i got into commercial real estate was uh, i met a guy named jerry beaver who used to own uh believe it or not the company was called beaver free corp when i when i started and then it changed into pacifica uh but uh worked there for six years before i joined steve and i've never done anything else uh i had uh i never never had a Never had really a real interview or a, a resume. I, I met Jerry Beaver at a uh, at a at a cocktail party. Convinced him to uh, that he needed an internship when I was uh, an intern when I was uh, twenty years old, and the rest is history. So uh, anyway, it's been it's been a good been a good run. Persistence and hard work opened the door for you. So that's that's <laughs> great. Uh, where did you grow up? Where did you come from? Uh, I came from uh, grew up in Sacramento. You know, so uh, Citrus Ice, Rose Roseville area. Uh, my mom's still upset that I haven't come back, but, uh, I think when I got down here, I, I, I think she knew that I was never going to return. So, uh, but it's, it was, uh, it was a good, good place to grow up, but I'm, again, I'm happy to be here. The weather's a lot better. That's for sure. Not as hot during the summers. You know, not everybody gets to play uh, college sports, uh, college soccer. Uh, can you just talk about what it was about that sport that appealed to you and, Maybe sure. just like how so you I, got into it. Yeah. No, I grew up. I grew up playing soccer since I was a little kid, since I was probably six, and I ended up playing on the Olympic development team when I was seventeen years old. The year before I went to college, so I was recruited to go to a bunch of different schools, and I just happened to know a couple of players down here at UCSB that uh, kind of uh, had an influence in getting me here. Um, and then 
played for three years. I didn't play for my, my senior year. I was kind of plagued with injuries during, during, during college, but, uh, uh, just loved it. Met, actually met Bob Tuller, who's at radius. Uh, he was one of my assistant coaches, uh, when I was out there he was, and he was a goalie at UCSB about a decade and a half before me. Uh, and then, uh, Tim Bomstig, who's the current coach out at UCSB. He was my center fullback my freshman year when I was, uh, the right fullback. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of neat, neat seeing him, uh, uh, knowing him for at least a year, playing with him, and then seeing what he's done with the uh, the um, the team. I mean, we were we were always a Division One soccer team when I was there, but we're now at a, the last ten years have been a whole different level. I mean, they've gone, they won the national championship, they they took second, they're regularly top twenty five team in the country. And you know, to be to be honest, we were we were not that team when I was out there. We were a good team, but we were not a great team like they are today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's great. That's uh, so awesome. I got to go dig up those pictures of you now. And see what you look like back in the day. You know? A lot more fit. A lot, a lot more fit. I, you know, sure we all we all were. It's okay. Yeah, we all we all were, right? Yeah, but no, it's good. And then I I ended up uh, coaching both my kids uh, soccer for probably ten years. Now my kids are uh, sixteen and nineteen. So one's in college and one's uh, getting close to getting to college. And so I'm I'm. I did my AOISO uh, years. Those were those were long and fun and hard. About ten years of coaching, but uh, yeah. now I've got a little bit more free time on my hands. It's my kids. My my son's in college at Chapman University, and my daughter uh, is, you know, just she's a she's a teenage girl who wants to kind of do her own thing. So, yeah. uh huh, yeah. <clears throat> well, yeah, I have seventeen year old and a nine year old. So, oh wow. That's that's you know I get all that so that's quite, that's quite, that's quite a span. So did you live? Did you grow up in Santa Barbara, Josh? Or, or? yeah, I I grew. I was born at Galita Valley Hospital, um, so mm-hmm. it's cottage now out in Galita. But yeah, my parents were renters, so we moved around a lot. But yeah, I went to five different elementary schools and Galita, Santa Barbara. I went to Peabody, the old Wilson School, <laughs> Isla Vista Elementary, Elwood. Um, mm-hmm. A whole bunch of different schools um, that I went to. But, yeah, I grew up here and only went away for a few years for for college. And then I worked at San Jose Mercury News for a while in the Bay Area for a couple of years. And like a lot of people, it was like, I got to get back. You know, this is the yeah. best place in the world. So, um, you know, I want to. Yeah. And, that's, and that's sometimes that's hard when you're when you're complaining about what's going on State Street. And you do realize, you know, you still live in probably the one of the prettiest and best places in the world. But I think all of us that have been here for a long time, you know, we just, you know, we'd love to see it, you know, continue to be a great place and our kids can enjoy. And I think there's been some things that have deteriorated that I'm hoping that bounce back, you know, over time. So. Yeah. Well, Francois Dijon, a great conversation. I really appreciate you making time here and uh, uh, thanks a lot for just educating me and the audience on uh, all the latest commercial real estate trends and offering your expertise and wisdom. So thank you so much. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Have a great day. Great. Thanks, Josh. Thank you.